Oh, 11 years of rural Bible forums. Isn't that, uh, isn't that a great encouragement? That's fantastic. I think that's something to be uh, tremendously thankful uh, to God for. Let's uh, pray before we uh, look at Psalm 23. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing uh, of 11 years of, uh, of good Bible teaching. Uh, Lord, for 11 years of fellowship uh, across different churches and uh, different denominations. Lord, uh, thank you that through your word you build us up uh, and you knit us together into the body of Christ. And Father, we ask that as we look at this most precious uh, psalm that you would do that again, that you would speak to us, that you would work in us through your Holy Spirit, that you would knit us together in the bonds of Christian love and unity in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm sure you all know Psalm 23. It is the most famous of all the Psalms, I would think. Uh, And even people who don't uh, know Christ people who are not in the church, who've never been in the church, probably know Psalm 23. Uh, When they hear it, they probably recognise it. They might not be able to tell you what it is, but when they hear it, it's familiar to them. And I suppose for us as Christians, the danger is that sometimes those things can become too familiar and we can grow uh, bored or tired of them. But I hope that today for you that Uh, Psalm 23 is reignited. I uh, have had a love affair with Psalm 23, if you can call it that, uh, since rediscovering it myself a number of years ago. And it is such a precious psalm, isn't it? Uh, And it's well known for uh, a great reason. Whenever uh, life starts falling apart, as I said before, which is relatively often for me, uh, I love to go back to the psalms. I find the Psalms are so helpful in the Christian life uh, to give words to the struggles of the Christian life, to give words to the struggles of of Christian ministry. And I find that the Psalms give me words not only to express that, but words to express that to God, words to pray. When I don't know what to pray for, when my mind feels like a vacuum, I'm sure you know that experience. The words of the Psalms are so helpful. They remind me of the deep truths about God. They shift my focus from me and myself and my problems to God and his grace and his power and his love for his people. And we saw, didn't we, in Psalm 1 that the person who meditates and speaks the words of God uh, to themselves is a blessed person. Uh, And what I want to do, I suppose, over these next two talks is to take two psalms take Psalm 23, Psalm 145, and to think about, to meditate, to speak to ourselves uh, the blessings, uh, the the truth of God and to be blessed by uh, that truth as we take that truth to heart and as we learn to trust God more. Well, Psalm 23 uh, is a great way to do that. Uh, It's a great way to uh, speak It's a great psalm to speak to ourselves and it's a great balm for our souls, I think, uh, in difficult times and it's a great reminder in good times of our need 
to live a life of trust in Jesus. Well, David begins Psalm 23 with very simple but uh, very powerful words, with a very powerful expression of faith. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. David had been a shepherd, so he knew what that was about. He knew the business of looking after sheep. And he takes that metaphor, of, uh, uh, takes that idea of looking after sheep as a metaphor uh, for what God does with his people. How God, the God of heaven and earth, relates to the people that he loves and cares for. David says, he is my shepherd, he's leading me, he's looking after me and I trust him. Now David was living before the time of Christ and even for him uh, God was his shepherd but for us living this side of uh, the coming of Jesus Christ we know that that expression of trust and faith of David has narrowed to focus uh, on God the Son. We know that Jesus has described himself as the good shepherd. In John 10 he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That is This side of the cross, we know that the way that God shepherds us is through Jesus Christ, his son. And so from our vantage point, as we look at this psalm, we can take this psalm that David wrote in hope of what God was doing in his life and what God would do, and we can take this psalm and we can apply it even more specifically, I think, to trust in Jesus as our shepherd. And in fact, we need to do that. We need to do that because God calls us not to a kind of a general trust in God but into specific trust in Jesus Christ. We need to entrust our lives to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. In that regard, the opening half line of this psalm is critical. David doesn't say, please see, David doesn't say, the Lord is a Good Shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd of his people. He doesn't say that. What he says is, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and he's leading me. Now you might have been in the church for 50 years and you might have come to every one of the Bible forums over 11 years. But if you can't say, Jesus is my shepherd, then there's a serious problem, I think. Because the benefits that David describes in this psalm are only for people who put their trust in Jesus, who trust Jesus to shepherd them and to care for them. So as we go through this psalm, please don't take on the comforts of this psalm unless Jesus really is your shepherd and you really do trust him. And if Jesus is not your shepherd, my prayer is that as we go through, you'll be so drawn to what God promises to do in Jesus Christ that even as I speak, you pray that God would be your shepherd in Jesus Christ. Having said that though, this psalm is not really about how you make the Lord your shepherd, but it's about the implications of God shepherding his people through Jesus the implications that that has for our lives. And the second half of the first verse really sets the agenda, I think, for the rest of the psalm. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? It means I shall not be in want. Or literally, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
David is saying that the absolute and definitive ramification of the Lord being my shepherd is that I lack nothing. The central theme of the psalm is because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If Jesus is your shepherd, there is nothing that you need now that you do not have. Isn't that remarkable? God through David is speaking words into our reality. We look at our lives, I think, and we often say, well, if I just had that, that's what I need. If I had that, I could keep going, but I don't have that, therefore I can't keep going. The last words that ever come to our mind are words like, I lack nothing. But God says, if Jesus is your shepherd, there is nothing that you need that you don't have. My church is currently going through the process of looking for an assistant pastor. And I wonder to myself, what if the guy who comes doesn't fit in? You know, like he's coming to visit in a few weeks. So he can meet us and we can meet him. What, what if he doesn't fit in? What if he decides he doesn't want to come? What if we don't get an assistant pastor? How will I keep going if we don't, if we don't get an assistant pastor? And there's probably things in your life I'd wager that you think to yourself now, if that, if, if that doesn't happen, how, how are we going to do this? If that letter from the bank doesn't come through giving us, if that job that we tended for, you know, if the kids don't, how are we going to keep going? If the church doesn't do, there's nothing that you need that you do not have if Jesus is your shepherd. But what does that really mean? What does that look like on the ground? Well, the rest of the psalm unpacks that idea and puts flesh on the bones. And there are five things which David says which I want to briefly step through. First, Jesus provides the rest and refreshment that we need at exactly the right time. We lack nothing in that Jesus provides the rest and refreshment that we need at exactly the right time. So David says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The images of a shepherd who leads his sheep to rich food and to water to drink, who provides sustenance for his sheep. Please see that the image is not of the dregs. It's not of the leftovers. It's not, He leads me to pastures but they're pretty substandard and it's a bit dried out and if you look carefully you can find some food and it's not he leads me to a sort of a brown puddle uh, of, you know, kind of unwholesome water. The image is of a rich and wonderful provision of luscious green pastures and still quiet waters. Think of the kind of walking and the nice forest walk and the, the bubbling brook. 
just gently rolling over the rocks. And even the air is kind of refreshing. A little bit of a chill. It's a picture of refreshment, but it's also a picture of rest. The sheep lie down in these rich pastures. The waters are literally waters of rest. And the result of this, of being led to this place, is restoration and refreshment. He restores my soul. I think in coming to terms with this image, we kind of need to understand more clearly the imagery of the shepherd leading his flock through a variety of places. So in the first few verses, the shepherd is leading the flock through good places, while in verse 4 we get the other side, where the shepherd is leading the flock through dark and dangerous places. Whatever lack nothing is, whatever lack nothing means, it's broad enough to include both rich pastures and the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, in the overall context of the psalm, the picture here is one of both sustenance and difficulty. The idea is not that Jesus provides this sustenance for us at every moment of the day, such that our lives can be described as a kind of a constant stream of bliss, the picture in terms of verse 1 is that Jesus provides in such a way that we never lack anything we need. At exactly the right time along the journey of following Jesus, Jesus leads us to these rich, verdant pastures and bids us to rest. He leads us to the edge of still waters where we can drink. He revives our tired and weary soul. He gives us all that we need to keep going. I wonder if you've ever felt exhausted. Unable to go on? Paul says we despaired even of life itself. It's a remarkable thing to say, isn't it? You'd almost think he was suicidal. Isn't that normally what it means to despair even of life itself? To be so tired out, so worn down. Too tired to finish the race. Starved of spiritual insight and spiritual nourishment. Thirsty for God and unable to satisfy the hunger and quench the thirst. David says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing because God provides for me precisely when I need it. David isn't saying this week that you'll find rest and refreshment. He's not saying that you'll find it today or this month. The psalm, this psalm is not promising that. I'm sorry. What this psalm is promising is that exactly when you need it, Jesus will give it to you. And if you don't have it now, it must be because Jesus knows that you don't need it. We can be truly saved, truly following Jesus and yet so fail to apprehend the implications of having Jesus as our shepherd that even though he's leading us through the difficulties of life, we can live in this kind of state of almost constant anxiety. Can I go on? Of course you can, says David. 
If Jesus is your shepherd, he'll look after you. To be quite blunt, Jesus is not an idiot. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you can bear and what you can't. He knows how to look after you better than you know how to look after yourself. If you trust him, he'll give you the rest that you need precisely when you need it. It's a bit like parents with their children. You know, I sometimes see it with my nephews and nieces. And I remember when I was growing up, you know, the family decides to go for a bushwalk uh, or for a walk around, you know, some, somewhere, wherever it is, or the, decides to go to the shops or something like that. Uh, and you're walking around and the kids go, I, I can't take another step. I can't possibly go on. You know, o- often I remember when I was young, it would be right outside the, the, the donut shop or something like that. <laughs> you know, I can't possibly go on, Mum, if we don't get the donut or whatever it is. And I remember my mum uh, always saying, I think you'll survive. I can't go on if I don't get a, dr- a drop of water. I think you'll make it to the end. But isn't that so often what we're like with God? I can't, I can't do it, God. Not today. It's too much. God knows better than we do what we need and what we can face and what we can't face. We can either believe that and live in the joy and rest of knowing that Jesus is our shepherd or we can disbelieve that and live in a constant state of anxiety and despair. So what does it mean that Jesus is our shepherd and we lack nothing? It means that Jesus provides us rest and refreshment at the right time. But second, it means that Jesus leads us in paths of righteousness. In the second half of verse 3, David says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is, God was not only leading David to rest and refreshment, he was leading him in the right way. They were getting there by a good path, by God's way. True believers, people uh, whom Jesus is leading, will be able to testify to the reality of what David is saying. It's not that you look at your life and you'll say to yourself, well, I'm perfect. But you'll be able to look at your life and be able to say, because Jesus is leading me, I'm growing in obedience. It's not that you've sat down necessarily and decided to turn over a new leaf. In fact, often it can be a kind of an unconscious transformation. But certifiably, over time, as you look back, you've been changed. You love Jesus in a way that you never used to. You love people that you never would have loved in the past. You have time for people that in the past you would have just kind of shrugged off. You've grown disinterested in some things, things that used to capture your heart. Now they just seem boring or trivial or cheap, like 
bad jewelry. And what captures your heart now is the gospel. Redemption through the blood of Jesus. They can say with John Newton, Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was. A slave to sin and Satan. And I can heartily join with the Apostle and acknowledge by the grace of God I am what I am. Jesus leads his people in paths of righteousness. And if he's done it in the past, he'll do it again in the future. On the other hand, there are people who after professing Christian beliefs for 20 years are still the same bitter old person that they were 20 years ago. Harbouring the same grudges exploding into the same fits of rage, exhibiting the same lack of self-control. That person is not led by Jesus, whatever they might think. Jesus leads his people in paths of righteousness. And so it must be for anyone who's cared for and led by Jesus. So if Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing because he provides rest and refreshment at the right time and because he leads us in paths of righteousness. But next we find that if Jesus is our shepherd, he is with us in the very worst of places. David expresses his trust that God will be with him and comfort him however bad it gets. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The valley of the shadow of death is basically the expression that you use in Hebrew uh, when you couldn't think of anything worse. It doesn't always have to refer to death, but it's certainly picking up on the idea that death is the most frightening reality in life. And to be in the long, dark shadow of death is to be in the worst place imaginable. And yet David can say that even as he goes through that, even as he goes through the worst place imaginable, through the darkest and most terrifying experiences of life, he says, I lack nothing. It's extraordinary. That's an extraordinary statement of faith. I fear no evil. How could he say that? For you are with me. Don Carson, the, uh, the scholar and, and uh, Christian scholar and pastor, tells the story of a friend he had who was dying, who was sick and dying in hospital. Uh, he tells the story of how for the last 48 hours of uh, his friend's life, for the last 48 hours, he never left his friend's side. He held his friend's hand and he was with him. And after 48 hours, his friend finally slipped away. Don Carson had been there for 
all that time. But that last little part of the journey, he couldn't go with his friend. But Jesus could. His saviour could go with him as he drew his final breath and passed into glory. He didn't go alone. If we don't know Jesus before the end, we do go alone. And we face an eternity shut out from the presence of God. But David says, I won't be afraid because you are with me. He expands on that idea in the next line. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was like a cudgel that the shepherd would use to fight off the wild animals that might attack the sheep. He could use it uh, as well to kind of give the sheep a bit of a whack if they were being a bit troublesome. Sounds like a good idea for pastors, I think. Maybe I, uh, maybe I could do with a cudgel as well. The staff is uh, like that classic shepherd's staff that you uh, see at Christmas time, the long pole with the, uh, with the hook on the end. And together they were the, sheep, the shepherd's means of protecting the sheep. Those are uh, the, the, the two the means of protecting and guiding the sheep. But I think the two, uh, that's a great encouragement because the two great fears of the Christian life are one, that God's enemies will win and two, that we'll go astray. We fear that God's enemies will win, that they'll beat us, that they'll devour us and they'll spit us out. And we fear that we'll go astray that will fall into sin and perhaps not return, that will fall into sin which discredits Christ and dishonours the church, that will destroy our families or our livelihoods or our lives. But David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They protect us and they guide us. It's hardly a comfort to know that Jesus is with you unless his presence is a powerful and an effective presence. But David says, the sight of the Lord's rod and staff, they comfort him because, they, because he knows that the Lord can protect him. His enemies won't win and he won't go astray. He'll get there in the end for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we've seen that if Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing because he provides the rest and refreshment we need at the right time. He leads us in paths of righteousness and even in the very worst places and through the very worst times in our lives, we lack nothing because Jesus is with us. But next, we find that if Jesus is our shepherd, he's leading us to a victory banquet. 
David says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I've made this confession before, but I'll make it again. I've often harboured a secret desire to put on some old clothes, to go outside and to pour olive oil over my head. Evidently, it's quite an experience because in the Old Testament, it's often regarded as kind of the height uh, of blessing. You know, you think of Psalm uh, 133. It's like uh, oil pouring down Aaron's beard. And I just think to myself, crumbs. Sounds awfully messy, which is why uh, I always think of putting on the old clothes. I don't know if olive oil was uh, a bit different to how it's made, made differently, that it wasn't quite so thick. But whatever the case, the image is one of magnificent blessing uh, and magnificent celebration. Honoured guests would often be anointed with uh, olive oil mixed with perfumes and uh, that was considered a, a, a great sign of honour. David also speaks of a cup that's so full it's overflowing. My cup overflows. You almost get the idea of this cup, which is almost like a fountain, you know, like there's this, there's a never-ending supply. It's so, this banquet is so lavish that uh, the moment you drink from this cup, that uh, it's, it's full to overflowing again. The provision of God is so rich, so abundant. But significantly too, it's a table and a banquet prepared in the presence of my enemies. David has won the battle because the Lord has won the battle. And David's enemies watch as he feasts in celebration of their defeat. In the overall flow of this psalm, David is talking about coming out the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. He's saying, I might face this terrible darkness now, but you are with me and on the other side of this valley of the shadow of death, on the other side of that, I know there'll be this banquet. I know there'll be this celebration. I know there'll be this victory. That's obviously true in an ultimate sense. On the other side of the last enemy death, there will be the most unimaginable celebration that you can ever conceive, the wedding supper of the Lamb. They will put every wedding reception that you've ever been to uh, you know, into the shadow. And not just because the food will be so much better and the speeches as well, but because there'll be no enemies. Satan will be defeated. Jesus will reign. And he will be seen to reign. And we will reign with him. You see, at the moment we feast, as it were, with the doors locked and the windows fastened and the gates of the city locked tight and the enemy marching around outside, waiting for the city to fall. We don't know when the enemy will come pounding on the door. But it won't be like that then. 
we will feast in peace forever. And no fear that tomorrow will herald a darker day or that the banquet will be spoiled. But the victory portrayed in this psalm also has a more immediate reference, I think. It has an ultimate reference, but a more immediate reference too. Because even in this life, on the other side of those dark valleys that Jesus leads us through, even in this life there's often another side. There's often a new kind of joy on the other side of those trials. There's often moments of celebration and delight. And so David says, even though I go through some really dark places, I know that you're with me and I know that on the other side there'll be joy and there'll be victory. But Jesus is our shepherd. We lack nothing because he provides the rest and refreshment that we need at the right time. We lack nothing because he leads us in paths of righteousness and even in the very worst places and at the worst times, he's with us. And we lack nothing because he's leading us to that victory banquet. Banquet. But last of all, we see that if Jesus is our shepherd, then there's an unavoidable goodness which will go with us forever. In a way, the last verse seems to summarise the whole lot, I think. David says in verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You almost get the idea of goodness and love pursuing him like, like hounds. So feverishly, so determinedly that David can't get away. God is always with him. God's mercy and love and kindness is always with him. And nothing can take that away. The chief thing I think to apprehend here is that this goodness and mercy which David speaks of is not a distant future reality. He's not saying, well, one day when uh, Jesus returns, he'll do good to you and he'll be uh, and it will be good forever. He's saying if Jesus is your shepherd, he's with you right now. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Right now, God is following you with goodness and mercy. It might not feel like that, but that's the truth. And just like in Psalm 1, we need to speak that truth of God into our lives, to meditate on that day and night. The Christian life, more than others, I think, knows its fair share of difficulties and discouragements, but so often we make it more difficult than it needs to be because we forget the great truth of this psalm. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We need to speak that truth into our lives and into our hearts every single day. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we want to proclaim to you, to each other, to our own hearts that you are indeed our shepherd, that you hold us by our right hand, that you lead us and guide us, that you walk with us through the good times and through the valley of the shadow of death. You give us all that we need at exactly the moment that we need it. Never a moment too late. Lord, help us to trust you and help us not simply to be content to be led and guided, but to long to know it and to see it and to believe it and, Lord, to live with joy because of it. To be able to face the dark trials and the difficulties of life and to say, I lack nothing, for you are with me. Father, we pray that as you have promised, that your goodness and your mercy would follow us all the days of our life. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.